This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show. The Yankees right now are four games back of them. If you are someone still believing and holding on to hope that they can make a run, all power to you, you have more confidence than I do. But I go back to late July when I saw what was happening with this team and I decided to succumb to the reality that it just wasn't going to happen. This is just one of those nightmarish seasons for the Yankees and now they have to decide at season's end if it was an aberration or the foreshadowing of things to come if they decide to continue in this direction with this regime. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. So I'm watching highlights of Elijah Moore playing running back for the Cleveland Browns. 18-yard rush in that preseason game yesterday, and I'm wondering what the Jets were thinking when they traded him away. Ty Butler going until 3 o'clock, 800-919-3776. Get at me on Twitter and Instagram, at Ty D. Butler. This was one of the, the like, in that time, one of the best players on the team, and I felt like he had a legitimate chance of becoming, I don't want to say a big-time star, but a really good player. And this was for an organization that has been bereft of those guys, especially skill position. I just never understood why you would trade Elijah Moore. And now I'm watching him ball out for another team. If the Browns' offense can be really good this year, assuming Deshaun Watson can get back to his original self, Elijah Moore can be, uh, Elijah Moore can be a big part of that. And watching him in that system for that team when he could have been here, the Jets don't have a clear number two option at receiver. Garrett Wilson's number one. You got Lazard. You have Corey Davis, who should be really your number two. He just can't stay on the field, and he's been dipped in all these trade rumors. Randall Cobb, Hartman, but it it, it doesn't doesn't feel like they have a legitimate number two weapon. And he he would have been he would have been that guy. What do you mean? What am I talking about? Elijah Moore didn't want to be here. He wanted off this team when this team was seven and four. I understand that, but he was frustrated with what was happening. There was a reason why he wanted out, and and I didn't love that while they were winning him complaining because you got to put the team first. But there was a reason why he was frustrated. So my question is, why couldn't? They figure it out. LaFleur, what was going on that they could not figure out? A guy they t- took had taken high in the draft, they just let him walk. They just traded him away for nothing. They That's needed that second round, or the third round pick to get Rodgers. could have found a third round pick elsewhere. You don't have to get rid of a guy. Where'd they take uh, uh, Elijah Morris? A second second rounder? Second round pick, yeah. You don't just, you don't just punt on a second rounder you, you got in two years ago. That was two years ago you got him. And it's not like they had big-time receivers. You could have used him. Listen, so something's, something went wrong there, and it's, it's just it's a mess. The fact that y'all couldn't figure this out. Honestly, right now I would take Lazard over Elijah Moore. Or you could have both of them. That's you could have. You could have had both of them. But who, who are you trading to get or that situation. Pick. You could have found a way to get a third-round pick or, or sweeten the deal with Green Bay. You did not need to trade a guy who you had taken with a second-round pick just two years ago at receiver who showed fra- flashes of brilliance. And you imagine what he could have been in this offense with Rodgers. You did not need to trade him away.
And again, I, I'm not going to absolve him of the foolishness and the immaturity he showed last year when the team is winning and he's complaining. But something was going on there with the offensive coaching staff. It sounds like another f- former New York receiver that talked his way out of New York, yeah. went to Cleveland, and how'd he do there? Yeah, but he, I mean, that was a different situation. He, he was coming off of an injury. Like, it, it was never going to work out it, there. And now, you know, you look at Odell, went and won the Super Bowl with the Rams, and actually was their best player on offense before he got hurt, was in the running for winning the MVP. And now he goes to Baltimore, and if he stays healthy, that's going to be a Big difference maker. You know, they got Zay Flowers in the draft. Rashad Bateman still there. You got Odell Beckham Jr. in the fold. Lamar just got paid. That can be a legitimate offense. I, I just, I'm, I'm going to grow sickening of watching Elijah Moore highlights this year in, in Cleveland. It's just gonna, it's gonna make me upset. 800-919-3776. Jeff is in New York. Wants to talk about the Yankees. What's up, Jeff? So I think the big problem with the Yankees is uh, Cashman. You know, Cashman really hasn't done anything since George Barnett passed away. They haven't done anything in terms of getting real good talent on that team except for Cole. But when you look at them, I mean, look at these moves that this guy's made where you don't have lefties in the lineup. The Yankee Stadium is made for lefties. And then he panics and he brings in Rizzo and Gallo. And look what that turned out to be. Then he trades Sanchez where he could have let him go. Yep. Wasn't making that much money. Could have just, could have just released take on, him. Take on a contract of $50 million for uh, Donaldson. And then he gives away all the farm systems so they don't have anybody to trade with. I mean, if they can't see this, the Yankees, everybody's just spinning around here. The same thing's going to happen to them. Now, you look at the Giants. The Giants got rid of their old whatever they had there, and they bring in young talent general manager and coach, and look what happens. So I think Cashman's the real problem with the Yankee team. Oh, he's, he's a, a ginormous problem, but it's one that they're not willing to admit because they walk around with such a level of, ag- of arrogance that plagues them, and it causes them to, you know, they, they, they worship the ground that Cashman walks on based on history. And he won four championships in five years, though a lot of Yankee fans don't want to give him credit for that. And he won the, the championship in 2009 when he brought in CeCe and, and Sabathia and Teixeira. But there is a such thing. Like, we have to, we have to stop acting like the, these are mutually exclusive. Brian Cashman is not a bad GM. He's not a terrible GM. He's a really good GM. But what can also be true is he's worn out his welcome. He's been here for, what, 30 years? It can grow stale. It doesn't come as easy to him as it once did when he had the benefit of having a team that can just outspend everyone. Every big free agent was going to come here. Now the playing field has been leveled because it's not a salary cap sport, but there are penalties if you go too high. And in this new era of baseball with the analytics, the minds have gotten smarter and brighter and teams have gotten more nuanced in how they attack putting their roster together and Cashman hasn't been able to adjust to that. And I get that you know, they went to the championship series in 17 and in 19 and in 22, but 
the ultimate goal of this 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 organization is to win championships. And I can't be a fan that holds them to a lower standard than they hold themselves. If they're holding themselves to the standard of championship or bust, I'm not going to internally lower that. Steve's in Chappaqua. What's up? Hey, I, I preface everything by saying it's so great that uh, when you're hosting, I look forward to it. Thank you. Good Appreciate job. it. Thank you so much. Uh, one other uh, nail in, in, in Cashman's uh, coffin in terms of bad moves. It was pointed out in an earlier show that the contract they gave to Rodon, six years, $160 Oh, million. yeah, and uh, Freeman, Freddie Freeman in, in, the, in, exactly. in Los Angeles. Oh, my God. I heard Gordon oh talking God. about I'm that today. Yeah, I didn't realize and, that. Uh, Freddie Freeman, uh, there were rumors that the Yankees were checking in on him, but it never felt real. But when you do yeah. that, you do the juxtaposition of, okay, here's what we gave her Don. Here's what Freddie Freeman got from the Dodgers. How's that working out? Oh, my God. And, and so, sorry. Now, it's not like the Yankee way to to tear it down and build for a couple of years. So they're going to retool. Give me three or four targets, like uh, Bellinger, Brantley, uh, Clevenger on the pitching side, oh, Blake Snell. What are the three or four things you you think you want them to do, and that you think they'll do? Well, the to, two to retool. the two obvious names, Steve, and I appreciate the call, are Soto and Shohei. Now, from all reports and all indications, it looks like Otani wants to stay on the West Coast. He'll end up a Dodger, or or maybe he'll stay with the Angels. But that's the name to go at. It's not going to happen. But that would be the name. That would be the prime target. And you know, second to that for me would be Soto. Go trade for for Juan Soto. Who knows if the Padres are, are willing to part with him? They've had a terrible season too. You look at the the, the three highest payrolls in baseball: Yankees or Mets, Yankees, and Padres, all probably missing the playoffs. So take that, take that for data. Uh, but yeah, Soto is the name I, I I would go at. Soto is the name. Charlie Morton, because the Yankees need pitching. He's forty, and. Um, he's got a club option for $20 million next year. He's, he's an older pitcher. Uh, who knows if, they're gonna, if, if the Braves are going to pick up that option. That would be a name I, I, I may be interested in. But, again, the age just gives me a lot of trepidation. Uh, you mentioned Bellinger. There were some rumors they could have traded for him at the deadline, but then the Cubs started winning games, so I'd be interested in that as well. Yeah, those are the names. Soto has to be number one. Brantley, they should have brought in. When was he a free agent? What was this, 2020, 2021? Whenever he became a free agent with the Astros, I I, I wanted them to bring him in, and they just didn't do it. They just didn't do it. 800-919-3776. We'll talk to Jordan Renan in 15 minutes, get to football, and get to the baseball again later on. Yankees in action today. That is a 4 o'clock start down in Miami, looking to take this series uh, against the Marlins. Mets play a doubleheader. First pitch already happened, right? First Mets already underway. That was a 1-10 start. Hopefully we can get yep. that on the TV screen. They'll play a doubleheader today before wrapping up this series with the Braves tomorrow. So we'll get into the baseball, continue to talk baseball, I should say. Uh, talk football as well with the Jets playing their second preseason game today. The Giants having played last night. Still a whole lot to get to. Going until 3 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. We didn't sign Odell to trade him, okay? And that's the, all I need to say about that. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Don't sweat the technique. 
So I'm perusing Instagram, and there's a lot of a lot of people out there who can relate to this if you're driving. So I'm looking at a video of a guy getting into his car, and he immediately bangs his knee on the steering wheel. And the caption is, when you forget your five-foot-nothing wife was the last one to use the car. By the way, nothing annoys me more than getting into my car. I'm banging the knee on the steering wheel. Got to adjust that. Got to adjust the seat. Got to adjust the mirrors, the side mirrors, and, and you know, and the back mirror. It's so annoying. Every time I go into the dealership for, like, anything, oil change, tire rotation, every single time they mess with it. It's annoying. I hate it so much. I, I just have one rule. Can You know how the iPhone allows you to restore it back to factory settings? That's my only rule with her. I say, look, drive the car, do what you want. Can you just restore it back to the settings you got it when you received it? And that's have the mirrors in place, have the seat pushed back, the steering wheel up up to the top where the highest it can go because I've got long legs, and, and and we're good. I don't want garbage. I don't want, you know, coffee cups and creamers in the car. Can we just restore it back to the settings, the factory settings, when you first enter, enter the vehicle? Is that too much to ask? I don't think so. Sometimes I'd be forgetting that they adjusted my mirrors, and I'll just be driving with with my mirrors like out, outward. Yo, today I actually drove like I want to say half a mile, not even realizing that my side mirror was tucked in because that's you know that's what same I do for at me. Night. I, I yep. tuck in the side mirror. You don't want to come. That's the word. That's another thing that'd be terrible. You get to your car, your side mirror is just taken off. So I tucked it in, drove a half mile, not even realizing it until the first time I had to make a left turn. I'm like, oh well, that's not smart. That's pretty dangerous. I think that's what's going on in Joe Leo's household because he said he got into an argument with his with his lady and they're not talking until Halloween. That's fishy to me. That's that's two months. When did I say that? You said that the other night. Y'all got into an art because it's your, you're celebrating your your 26th birthday, and I asked were you gonna you know go home after working seven hours, go home to some pleasure, and you said probably not because she's mad at you and you, you're not gonna figure it out until Halloween. No, I just don't like the kiss and tell. She doesn't like if I kiss and tell, and you know we're just gonna leave. What's it at the that. kiss and tell? That's your girlfriend. You really? guys are in a relationship. Really good song by the way, kiss and tell. Yeah, in a relationship. That's that's not where the phrase kiss and tell I, originated I from. I don't need my business on the airway. But it's just us talking. No one's really listening. It's, yeah. it's one o'clock on a Saturday. Co- we can we can come talk. in here after the uh after the break and I'll uh I'll... Oh, you you'll give us the whole rundown there, on, on what happened last Thursday night? Now this is like one in the morning. So that's that's type raunchy. That's a great way to bring in Jordan Ron on from that place. It's tight, Ronchi. 800-919-3776. So Joe Leo is mad at me, and the phone lines are, are, are starting to blow up with the Jet fans who went away on it, it's, uh, uh, in on this. The Elijah Moore, we can do small picture, big picture. The small picture is this is a talented receiver, an organization that has been bereft of those things. You drafted him second round in 2021, and for some reason that relationship went awry. As you were trying to mold your young quarterback, Zach Wilson, the best way to mold a young quarterback is to give him weapons. You drafted a weapon and then fractured the relationship to the point where you had to give him away to Cleveland for, what, a third-round pick. So that's a small picture of it. The big picture is you look at all these drafts now, and there are a lot of misses, a lot of misses, high-end picks that you expect to be blue chippers. You expect to be starters and you're just flat out missing it. We can completely wipe away the 2020 draft. Makai Becton bust. 
Denzel Mims traded him to Detroit. And I love the commentary after that was, well, the Jets won because anything you can get for him, that was a big victory. No, the hell it ain't. You, you, took, you took him in the second round in 2020, and you traded him away for a conditional pick. He was a bust. Ashton Davis. I mean, look at look look at that the 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 player who who actually played the most games, and I heard this from Dan Grasa of that draft was the punter Braden Mann. So that is a complete wash of a draft. The, then the next year, yeah, Braden Mann got cut. He was he was bad last year, uh, and his best memory or or worst, I should say, is going to be that New England game. Uh, but then you go to the next draft, Zach Wilson, AVT, you hit on. Elijah Moore, you initially hit on, but he's gone now. Michael Carter looking to have a, a bounce-back season. And both Michael Carters are, are actually pretty good. But missing on Zach and missing on Elijah Moore, that's two of your first three picks. So he gets credit for the next year with Sauce and Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall and, and Jermaine Johnson. But, I mean, there are a lot of misses there. So that's what I'm talking about. It's not just about... Elijah Moore. It's when you look at the totality of these drafts, a lot of swings and misses, which is why this year is a ton of pressure. You really need this Aaron Rodgers experiment to work out because where Joe Douglas deserves credit is despite all of the missing he's done, he presented an organization that was attractive enough for a future Hall of Famer, a four-time league MVP, a champion, to look at them and say, that's where I can go win a championship. That's what he deserves credit for. 800-919-3776. Jose in Brooklyn wants to defend Joe Douglas. I'm excited to hear this. Let's go, Jose. Bring it. Uh, <laughs> uh, good, good afternoon, Ty. Shout out to the company. I was definitely listening to you guys on the app with uh, you and Joe going at each other. And I just got to say, the the, the that I'm going to defend Joe Leo is it because I, I I don't think this is the price for do for getting into business with, with with wanting Aaron Rodgers. You know we had to make we had to make the Elijah Moore trade to get the assets from Cleveland to pretty much sweeten the pot with Green Bay, and it sucks. I thought he was a talented player. To me, uh, everyone out of the draft said that he would be comparable to Steve Smith, which was high praise, and but it just didn't. <laughs> It just didn't. It, it just didn't work out with the timing and with the fact that you know Garrett Wilson ended up being a lot better and more of a finished product. It, it made Elijah more expendable. So no, I get that part. I understand that, and I appreciate the call, Jose. Uh, I, I understand. Like, if it's a, would you rather have Garrett Wilson or Elijah Moore? That's not the conversation I'm at, I'm having. You'd rather have both, is what I'm saying. When you are a team that has missed the playoffs for 13 straight years. You're, it's not the NBA where there's a lottery. The Jets have pretty much been bad for the, for the most part the last 13 years. They had the one 10-6 season with Todd Bowles in 2015. But when you're this bad for this long, you're going to get a lot of high capital uh, in the draft, high picks, and you're missing on a bunch of them. That's not great. That, that's how you go 13 straight years in a league where there's a lot of turnover, where we see worst to first happen a lot, teams that made the playoffs, missed the playoffs, and vice versa. That's how you go 13 straight years without making it. That's how you become the, the, the team with the longest drought in all of the four, you know, all of the four major sports with the longest drought of not making the playoffs. That's how it happens. Iris in Staten Island. What's up, Iris? Hey, hey, TV, it's Ira. What's happening? What's going on? What up, baby? Long time no talk to, man. How you doing? 
Yeah, all good, all good. You know what? I, I totally agree with all the points you make. And you want to cut Douglas some slack because he's filled in with some of the things. You know, I'm not going to just – I'm not going to put him on a pedestal because he got Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner last year. I mean, let's face it. You know, those were no-brainers. But at the end of the day here, my biggest issue is that they're all in. And forget the Super Bowl right now. They're all in to win it within the next two years. And the biggest issue I have is that he has yet to address or fix the problem with the offensive line. Yeah, the problem that he had when he got here in 2019, it was a problem, hasn't gotten any better. Yes, you did at AVT, but the fact that we're still here – and the Jets have one of the worst offensive units, at least among the contenders, to me is 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 a bad look for them. Well, the thing is, you invest $100 million in a Hall of Fame quarterback, you're expected to win within the next, you know, two years, and yet what happens if Rodgers is running for his life this year? You know, and, and the thing that, well, you could chip him with a tight end, and well, but you know what? You don't want to start doing that because all summer long, he's had three, four, five targets to throw to all through camp. Now, all of a sudden, you take two of those away because they need that for pass protection. Yeah. Now, he's, he doesn't have this. You, you, you know where I'm getting at. Yep. So, listen, I think Douglas has put a good roster together this year. But if you look at his stay since he's been here, he's yet to address the offensive line, and he has missed on some really big hits. It's, it's an odd resume, and I appreciate the call, Ira, because, look, he drafted the offensive rookie of the year, the defensive rookie of the year, and a guy who would have been offensive rookie of the year, Brees Hall, had he stayed healthy. He, he drafted AVT. You heard Sala the other day say he can become an all-pro at the guard position. So he has hit on... Some of these picks, it's just the misses are so flagrant. Zach Wilson, that's a, that's huge. Obviously, that's huge. And typically, it would have set you back for years, but you got fortunate. You got lucky that Rodgers wanted to come here. And that's huge. The offensive line, like the fact that we are still here four years later having the same conversation if things go south, if they go left, and it's not because Rodgers has aged, it's not because the defense took a step back, it's not because the head coach didn't know what he was doing, but it was simply because you could not protect your quarterback who you invested all that money in, they're going to be coming for Joe Douglas. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Football season's back. You have a chance to be part of the action by winning tickets to Jets training camp, courtesy of your local Honda dealers. Visit your local Honda dealer for a great deal today. Honda is a proud partner of the New York Jets. Before we get to Jordan Renan, uh, if you're looking for hockey gear, Monkey Sports is the place to be. With retail stores in Farmingdale, Long Island, and Woodbridge, New Jersey, be caller number 1,000. That's not right. Be caller number, let's go with Elijah Moore's number 8. Right now at 888-987-ESPN, and you'll score a $100 Monkey Sports gift card. For full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. It's all thanks to Monkey Sports. I'm getting emotional talking about Elijah Moore. That's how serious this is. From beginner to pro, they have what you need to take your game to the next level. For store details or to shop online, go to MonkeySports.com. And with that, we'll get back to the phone calls at 800-919-3776. If you're there, stay there. Jordan Renan joins us uh, on the program. Hello, Jordan. 
What's up, Ty? Hey, Ty, don't worry. If you need, if, if you just need an extra slot receiver at some point, the Giants will be able to help them out. You know what I mean? A lot of slot receivers. So let's talk about that. We could start there. Uh, <laughs> Cole Beasley. Okay. Uh, is Cole Beasley going to make this team? I'm, I have a hard time betting against Cole Beasley. He's Brian Dable's guy. Man. Yeah, going back to uh, Buffalo. To the, I mean, to the point where, like, Brian Dable was trying to get him all last year, like at multiple points. And there were times where the Giants thought he was going to come. Uh, and he ultimately at one point decided to stay retired. And all these different things, you know, last year happened. But uh, hard to bet against Cole Beasley knowing that relationship. Now, I don't know what his role would be. I don't know if they could, you know, finagle their roster with guys like Shepard and Wandale Robinson or whatever. But, yeah, uh, I'm going to say Cole Beasley's probably going to end up on this roster some way, shape, or form. All right, so biggest takeaways last night. Oh, we don't care about the final score, um, Giants-Lions. No, we it did, doesn't matter. We, we did see earlier this week Daniel Jones had a rough practice, but he re- rebounded from that. What are your biggest takeaways just from the week and from the preseason game last night? I think we saw the rookies, and they've been encouraging, right? Uh, obviously, Jalen Hyatt, he didn't do much in the game. Uh, one reception, negative four yards. But I think John Michael Schmidt more than held his own. I thought he played pretty well. Uh, Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins did some good things. I mean, uh, you know, there's still things we could sit here and nitpick. Uh, we'd probably be talking a little different if Jameson uh, Williams caught the pass on Deontay Banks. But uh, I thought the coverage was pretty good on that play. He had some other pretty good plays. So I, I think – you feel good about these rookies who, by the way, they're going to ask to have significant contributions, and they really need to be significant contributors immediately. And Trey Hawkins is another guy as well, a six-round pick cornerback who has really impressed everybody so far. Again, another pretty solid performance for him last night. So uh, that, to me, is kind of what stuck out because when we're talking about the preseason, like you said, none of this matters. Uh, The end result means little. Well, you, you do see some of the warts of the Giants, and I, I think, and I've said this even before the game, depth is a concern. And you, you, the spots where you worry about depth, offensive line, linebacker, uh, slot cornerback, it, it's still a little worrisome. I don't want to hear about offensive line lack of depth. I'm a Jets fan. And you just, the Giants just locked up their left tackle to a big term, time contract. The Jets don't even know if they have a left tackle. They're depending on a 37 year old. So I don't want to hear about the offensive line issues with the Giants. Well, I mean, the, but, the, but the Giants, the Jets have like Mekhi Beckton. He's like a backup <laughs> at this point. And a crap shoot. The Giants are sitting there hoping Evan Neal's, you know, not Mekhi Beckton. Yeah. And they don't, we don't really know until he gets out there and shows us that he could play at a higher level than he did last year. And they don't even have anything behind him. So, that's why you look at the Giants situation and you're just crossing your fingers because if Evan Neal's not that guy, they're in big trouble because the interior of their line is certainly not the strength of the team. It's probably the weakness of the team. That's what so, I was, That was how my next question yeah. was going to be for you, Jordan. Like, if things go south this year, I, I, I think it's crazy for people to look at it and say if they miss the playoffs, that's not a disappointment. But let's just say things do go south this year. What will be the reason? What are you mm-hmm. looking at and saying that's their biggest weakness? I know you just talked about the interior offensive line, but uh, if they if they go south, what, just, what, 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 ha- what happened? It would just be injuries in general. I don't know if they could, like, even at running back, after Saquon, like, what do they have behind Saquon? If they lose Saquon, think about how the, the drop-off after him, right? 
offensive line. I mean, God forbid Andrew Thomas got banged up. I mean, they're in, they'd be in humongous trouble, uh, that offensive line in general. So, to me, injuries is, is the thing. Like, they could be a good team. I think they have better talent. But after the starters and after the guys that they have, like wide receivers, the one position they actually have depth at now, like that's what they did. They don't have like that big high end guy, but they have depth. So they could afford some injuries there. That's why you can afford to go forward with Sterling Shepard and Wondell Robinson and Paris Campbell, who has a history of injuries and even Darren Waller, who has a history of injuries, but injuries on the offensive line, uh, running back quarterback, in the secondary, like, they'd be in big trouble if they have – something, God forbid, happened to Bobby Okereke. God, their inside linebackers are back to where they were last year. Yeah. We're going to be picking Jalen Smith and Jared Davis off the street, and they might be starting. But, see, that's that's the point. You mentioned injuries, which, yeah, I guess it's hard to predict injuries, and every team has to worry about injuries. But when I when I hear, well, the Giants might be better, but they're going to take a step back, they might miss the playoffs, I don't get it. I, I really don't understand that. You just paid your quarterback top dollar. Your running back's here, and he's, for all intents and purposes, he's happy. You love the coach. You love the GM and what he's been able to do with this roster. I understand you're still technically in the midst of a rebuild. It's year two, and last year kind of quickened the timeline. But the, the, the NFC is so weak compared to the AFC. I, I feel like the expectation should be that you make the playoffs, and if you don't make the playoffs, that's a disappointment. Am I am I unfair with that? I don't know. I feel like they have eight, nine-win talent overall. Uh, and so do I think, you know, if they go eight and nine or a couple things go don't go in their favor and they go seven and ten, is it a, is it a disappointment? Maybe a little bit. But I don't think it's a step backwards. Uh, how about we, we term it that way? Yeah. If they don't make the playoffs, it's disappointing because they made it last year and won a playoff game. But I don't think it necessarily would be a step back if they went 8-9 and nine and didn't make the playoffs and had some injuries that they just ultimately weren't able to overcome yet. Talking to Jordan. You think that's crazy? I, it's not as I, – I wouldn't – it depends on how it happens, right? Like, if they miss the playoffs and Daniel Jones looks awful, then, yeah, that's a step back because now you once again have questions yeah. about your quarterback. But if Daniel Jones looks awful, they're not going to be they're not gonna be 8-9. Yeah, if he looks awful, they're, I'm, I'm just saying missing the playoffs. If they miss the playoffs and he – let's just say he takes a step back or he never makes that, that jump from where he was last year to what you think he be, can become, then that's the step back. We, we, you know, we're, we're, we're just – we're saying the same well, thing, just in different ways. Yeah, but here's why it's different. Like, if you're looking at – let's look at it from the Jeff perspective for a second. Like, there's people that legitimately think they have championship aspirations, right? Like, sure. they could be in an AFC championship game, right? But to not make the playoffs would clearly be a yes. big disappointment. Absolutely. Who's out here thinking the Giants are going to the championship game? Like, I'm sure there's some big-time Giants fans that think that. But, like, they're over-under in Vegas to seven and a half wins. Yeah. So, like – you know what I mean? They're like, okay, even like people who like the Giants in general, like we think they're a good team, they're a playoff team, but they're like a wild card borderline playoff team. So that's why I think we're, it's, it's a different kind of uh, disappointment in regards to the season if they somehow did not make it. Absolutely. When you measure those teams up against each other, then clearly like the Jets have way more to lose this season than the Giants. I'm just talking about just looking at the, the, what, what's happening with with Big Blue, 
if you get to the end of the season, you miss the play. I hear a lot of Giants fans saying, you know what? I don't know how disappointed I would be. I, I, I just I, I struggle with that. But as far as um, looking at this season, what is your expectation? What are you predicting? I think I predicted eight and nine, so that's like right, right. Eight and nine, I'm so like you have them missing the play. So you have them missing the playoffs. That I really just told you. It's just, uh, oh, man, man. I mean, can they win one more game and go nine and eight? Sure, and make the playoffs with, with this extra team in the playoffs. You can make it in with a, a mediocre record for sure. But yeah, I don't know. It's the, the reason I'm hesitant to say they're a nine or ten win team at this point is because. The schedule's tough, man. I mean, the whole AFC East is difficult, and I know people want to crap on New England. That's fine, but there's still less like a top defense in the NFL. Yep. So there's no there's no gimme when you play New England. Like you, even if you beat them, like it's, you're not going into that game where you're like, oh, automatic win, <laughs> right? And then so it's a, it's just a tougher schedule. They haven't been able to beat that. To me. Let's see what happens in the opener. To me, that opener was so big for the Giants. You lose to the Dallas Cowboys at home in a primetime game. All of a sudden, I have a hard time seeing them having a winning season. Because that, if you can't win that game at home, like then they're not going to beat Philly probably. They're not, and they're not winning in Dallas. And then they're playing at Buffalo in a primetime game, at San Francisco in a primetime game. There's pretty much no one in the league that are winning either of those games, right? So all of a sudden – you know, to me, and then the week three is that San Francisco game. So let's say they win in Arizona. They're one and two. And they lose to Dallas if, if they lost that game. This is why it's such a big game to me. Then they lose to uh, San Francisco in week three on a Thursday night, short rest, whatever. They beat Arizona. So they're one and two. That makes week four against Seattle at home just a gigantic game. And Seattle's a really good team, I believe. I think they're a really good team. You know, you could end up one in three if they lose that opener, and and then where's your season at that point? So, to me, that that game is just so big for the Giants. The opener against Dallas, they get, they need to prove that they could beat the Cowboys and Eagles, and then at that point, I'm willing to say, okay, I'm taking them. I could take them seriously. You you need to be able to prove you can beat Dak Prescott when he's no longer a rookie, because that's the last time they beat him. Yeah, look, they haven't beat. They've never beat Dallas in Philadelphia recently, so. And, and those, by the way, I, I don't think I'm breaking ground here. Those teams are in their division, Ty. You, know, you can't lose four games a year to the two teams in your division. And if you're going to lose at home on a primetime game to the Cowboys, it's hard to see any of those other three games against those two teams going in a different direction. So, to me, that's the game. Like, Remember back to 2016, the Giants went into Dallas week one. Yep. One on the, I believe Victor Cruz scored the game-winning touchdown. He mm-hmm. was coming back after missing basically two years. Yep. Right? Did this also in the end zone. Him and Odell got fined for like dancing together, whatever it was. Hey, that game catapulted the Giants, and it ends up being a good season. Same with last year. They should, they, they probably should have lost the that, openers. Oh, uh, that Titans right? game, yeah. <laughs> Titans dominated them, should have blown them out in the first half. And on top of that is the Titans screwed up the end of the game and missed the field goal. Mm-hmm. So, and the Giants and Saquon made a ridiculous play. Like, they could have easily lost that game. And, but and Daniel that Jones game, had it, that. that air, Daniel Jones had that red zone interception where he got aired out on the sidelines. Oh, yeah, that was awful. <laughs> but, <laughs> they played terrible in the first half. If you think back to the first half of that first game last year, everybody, I don't care who you are, the, the biggest Giants optimist, 
you were looking at that first half of the first game last year thinking, oh, my God, this is the same team we've seen in the last five years. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not the same team now because they win a playoff no. game. Uh, they win a road playoff game. And all of a sudden, Jordan Renan has them winning eight games. So, you see, they, they haven't come that far. They haven't come as far as, as people have thought because Jordan has them winning only eight games next year. Pretty sad. Pretty sad. Uh, look, but, Ty, Ty, <laughs> I told you this last time. No, you did. That's right in line with where they should be in the progression. Last year was a rebuild year. They overexceeded their talent level. They were they were a six win team this year. They're an eight or nine win. Look, talent. I'm harsh. I'm, Next I'm year, a, hopefully they're a ten to twelve win team. I'm a harsh Not critic. Much. I I expect that you know a, a quarterback being paid forty million dollars a year should be able to win more than eight games and not finish under five hundred and miss the playoffs in a week conference. But that's just me. That's just me. That's just you me. also you also think that the the Jets don't make the the Super Bowl is a failure probably no right? no it's not a fa- I wouldn't I, I can't I can't call that a failure you haven't made the playoffs I, in thirteen years I've heard years. that from a lot of people lot I can't of, believe that I hear that well those are people who aren't really high on the Jets to begin with and they hear the Super Bowl talk and they think it's premature so they're saying oh you know make, don't make the Super Bowl that's a fair I don't think anyone rationally believes that I don't I don't think Jet fans actually say if we lose in Arrowhead on a game winning field go because Mahomes drove him down and, you know, they, they hit yeah, a 57-yarder. That's a failure. I I, I don't see yeah. that happening. Her team hasn't made the playoffs in, in 13 years. In yeah. 13 years. <laughs> the last time they made the playoffs, you were in high school, Jordan. That was the last time. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to tell me. I I, I... <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. We got to make progress. Remember, at some point this year, you and I are going to host a, a show today, uh, a show together, and we'll talk a lot of Jets, talk a lot of Giants. We'll we'll do it all. That's going to happen at some point. So make sure it does. I right, will. Uh, we'll work on Winthrop, and we'll, we'll work out some sort of like you know, football hour or something. Let's like do that, it. Let's do it. Appreciate you, yeah. Jordan. Much love to him, Jordan Renan. You know him. He covers the Giants. 800-919-3776. We wrap up the second hour next. When we return right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. Back to the phone lines we go. Doc is in Hewlett. Where is that? Is that Jersey? Is that New York? Where is that? Doc. Five towns. Say that one more time. I didn't hear you. Hewlett uh, is one of the five towns in Nassau County. Ah, oh, there we go. Love it. What's up? What's up, Doc? What do you so, got? You know, uh, well, first of all, great show. Um, Fifty-five years of watching, playing, coaching football, and I want to tell you that you know a lot of good stuff talking about the Jets drafts, which have been really hit and miss under Douglas. But I think when I look at football um, and I look at the Giants and the Jets, one of the biggest disparities is the coach. And Joe Douglas's picking of Salva, you know, I look at two plays in an entire season last year that both deal with coaching, that if they had gone in a different direction, the Jets might have made the playoffs. Those two plays. You got to say won. the Lions? The Lions fourth and five from midfield? Is that one nope. of them? Oh, oh no. Okay. no. No, 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 sir. Let me let me tell you, you got the first play, which is the worst call in the history of professionals. Uh, NFL, uh, maybe even worse than the Pasarchic fumble, was the uh, punt to New England with 20 seconds to go, kicking the ball inbounds was the most insane (laughs) methodology of football in the history of the game when there was no other way to lose the game. Rob Sala figured out the only way to lose the game in regulation by kicking the ball to New England, who returned it for a touchdown. That's number one. The second play that deals with coaching 
is the lack of discipline on the Jets. John Franklin Myers roughing the passer penalty only the eighth time in probably two years that he did that <laughs> against New England on the interception oh, that they Mac ran Jones. back before. Yeah, that, that was the time. pick six. Yeah, that, and that would have won yep. them the game. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 football is a fragile game, and coaching is a huge part of football. And Brian Dayball is not going to be the guy who costs the Giants a game. And if anything, he's going to be the guy who puts them in position to win the game. But as bad as the draft choices are, is as bad as the coaching selection was, because, you know, Salah makes moves and he's like a deer in headlights not to know, A, how not to kick the ball down the field, and B, if guys make mistakes, physical mistakes, I understand it happens. But over and over, disciplinary mistakes where you cost your team in such a way so glaring and there's no change, that's another. Yeah. And then you look at a couple of draft choices. You know, Rocky Thompson and Blair Thomas ra- ra- rival Zach Wilson and Mekhi Becton to see how far you got to go back to figure out draft choices that were so bad. Ryan Leaf, you know, draft choices that really set teams back a long, long way. And Aaron Rodgers, as good as he is, like everybody's calling up and saying, finally waking up after a good amount of time, well, you know what? I've never seen a quarterback throw the ball from the seat of his pants. (laughs) And last year when the Jets and the Giants beat the Packers, yeah, Aaron Rodgers was running for his life. They were in the backfield a lot. So, they were. Yeah. So, I appreciate you know, the clock, uh, Doc. I'm up, you have to say. I'm up against the clock. I appreciate that. And it's actually something I want to hit on at the top of our number two. What you mentioned about Robert Sala, to some degree, is flying under the radar. And it is the question marks we ask about the Jets. The offensive line. Is the quarterback too old? Do they have enough weapons on offense? There's a head coach question that's flying under the radar that we have to talk about coming up. Our number three next right here on 98.7 ESPN. Lucas Glover, is he related to Donald Glover?